Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Stacking Pennies in studio. He has joined us via Zoom before, but first time he has set foot on the Stacking Pennies set. The guy, the brainchild of the NASCAR schedule and many other things, Ben Kennedy, joining us. Cool. Golf clap. Thank Welcome. you for having me. Appreciate for it. Coming. Good to uh, good to finally be here in person. Absolutely, you're the man of the hour. Everybody wants to talk to you. You have the big awaited schedule. Got pushed back a couple weeks. There was a lot of chatter, a lot of chirp tripping. What's changing? What's moving? We going to Mexico? We going to Canada? Who knows? And we're going to Iowa. And we're going to Iowa. How many? I got so, my passport updated and everything. I, I, I was, did, I was I did ready. too. Yeah, you owe me that $75. Oh, always yeah. have your passport ready. You never know where you're going to go. That, we'll get to that in a second. I'm sitting here holding a spreadsheet of the schedule. How tired are you looking at this? So the morning after we release the schedule, and I do this every year. I mean, as soon as we start working on the schedule, which is six months in advance, um, is when we start to place you know, dates in boxes. I have my Excel sheet up. I have my Excel sheet up and one or two other documents. And it always feels so good that next morning to hit the red X afterwards. I'm like, I'm not seeing the schedule again. So um, we went through 24 different variations on the schedule this year. We landed on 24B. So we play with different scenarios too. And that was our last version. So we did a lot better than 2020, which I, I think we ended up with 85 versions. Sheesh. Well, we were racing Wednesdays. We were just racing all we can do to get all the races backfilled before Phoenix. Wednesdays, doubleheaders, all that stuff. I can't even imagine the amount of phone calls went <laughs> into that. Man, you guys have worked tirely. I'm, I'm, we can we can talk about the end and then kind of work backwards. Is there like a moment where somebody is like, yeah, pull a trigger on that? Or like is there a panel? Like thumbs up, we good? Look around, everybody – any reservations? Okay, good. And then, like, you hit the big red button and go, how does that work? Yeah, so it's – um, I would say the red button never really gets hit until we officially send the schedule out every year. So, you know, and, and I was talking with some people that were hearing about some of the rumors around the 24 schedule leading into it. And, right, like, we're going through different variations. We're playing out different scenarios. And we have a group of, I would say, about, give or take, one or two people, a dozen people – they get together on a weekly basis that are talking through the schedule. So we have folks represented from competition, from broadcast, from international, from strategy, a handful of different folks that will get together and talk about everything related to the schedule. So, you know, broadcast will weigh in as it relates to network windows and start times. Competition will, will weigh in, you know, as you think about moving from track to track. So this is something that we think about a lot and um, something that someone asked me last week is, well, why, why would you not have a midweek race in between these two dates? And in order to have a midweek race, it's really tough to come to Sonoma to, even if it is a Martinsville or Richmond on a Wednesday, especially if you start to consider weather and all of those things. So competition will weigh in, we'll have our international folks weigh in, we'll have um, our strategy folks weigh in. So we really kind of have a core group that starts to set the foundation for the schedule. And then from there, we'll have different parties that will break out that are focused on the execution of it. So you had Julie Giese here that talked about the Chicago street course, put together a team in Chicago that's now executing that event. The team in Los Angeles is focused on the Coliseum. So what started as a small group of seven or eight people in the summer of 2019 has now expanded into a handful of different folks. Not perfect yet, but we're learning a lot and going to continue to iterate on it as we uh, we keep going. Do you ever look at a farmer's almanac? Occasionally. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we we look at that every now and then. Um, I mean, you start to think about whether it's, it's a big factor in our schedule, right? 
different times of year, when we're racing, where we're racing, all of those things. What a can we not go back to Texas when it's 400 degrees? <laughs> well, it's moving to the spring next My year. My man, appreciate that. It is moving that. to the spring Let's next year. Go. Got your wish. Yep. Yes, we got your wish. Yes. So we actually. Um, we, we've partnered up with the weather company in the past and um, IBM. So they have all sorts of data that we can look at as we start to think about weather, forecasts, time of year. I think the the tricky part of this, right, is especially you start to think about February and March and then October and November. There's only a handful of warm weather tracks that we can realistically go to. It's Daytona, it's Homestead, it's Phoenix. Even Vegas is a bit of a mixed bag every now and then. Atlanta can be a mixed bag. So you start to think about February, March, it is difficult to find a lot of warm weather dates, especially when we get to that part of the schedule. But Speaking of Atlanta, Ben, that second race, did Atlanta, what puzzle piece? Was that last? Was it first? Like, Because I feel like the second race, you could argue, is maybe one of the most important because you have such a massive audience for the 500. And how do you carry them over? I'm guessing you want to give fans the greatest product that you put on do you do something vastly different seems like we're doing something kind of similar in a super speedway kind of intermediate hybrid talk to me about atlanta and how you kind of chose that as a second race yeah so atlanta we discussed for a long time there were half a dozen tracks that that we talked about being in that second slot so your point it's a really important part on the schedule. So you go from the clash to Daytona 500, Daytona 500, highest rated, highest viewed, most attended event of the year to Atlanta. You have a lot of people that are just naturally carrying over into the first part of the season. So felt like it was important to have a, a racetrack that frankly puts on an exciting race, compelling racing product. Now that we've been able to see it out with the reconfiguration repave for the past couple of years, that was a consideration. Weather was another consideration. Sure, a little bit colder in late February, but we've also had Atlanta in the second slot for about five or six years, you know, from 2015, I think through 2019. So there are a handful of things that we talked about, you know, part of that also you know, continuing to have Vegas and Phoenix in the third and fourth slots, a lot of date equity around those two races in particular. Um, so there were a handful of things as we talked about Atlanta and, you know, I'll be honest, we looked at a ton of different options going into that second slot and uh, just naturally Atlanta made the most sense, all things considered. It's one of his best tracks. So I'm sure you're happy yeah. about it. Lock you into the playoffs early. I would, I would love that. I would love that. And then it's in the first round of the playoffs, too, so we might mess around and be able to go on to the round of 12. Who knows? A lot of chatter. I personally like Daytona being the last regular season race of the year. I feel like it gave the sport a lot of unknowns, a little bit of a wild card to finish the season. How much talk went into that decision making Darlington the regular season finale? A lot of talk. Uh, so we debated that for a really long time because, you know, we did make a, a, a pretty bold move a few years ago and moved it off of the July 4th weekend, right? Talk about date equity, Daytona on July 4th, in a lot of ways, was synonymous with each other. So moving it to the end of the regular season was a huge shift for us. And, you know, I think after we've seen that shift play out for a few years, it's something we debated for a really long time. We have the two Olympic off weeks. Do you do midweek race? Do you do a doubleheader? Or do you shift the tail end of your season back one week, which we ended up deciding to do? And, you know, as we said last week and when we announced the schedule, this isn't a forever thing. This is something we're going to test out for one year, see how it goes, continue to learn. Candidly, I wouldn't be surprised if Daytona went back to the regular season cutoff, especially after the past few years. It's exciting. It's unpredictable. Um, anytime you have a lot of those values that come out of a race, our fans tend to enjoy it. In the last race of the regular season, I mean, anyone can win that race and punch your ticket to the playoffs. So that's really exciting. That said, I am looking forward to seeing what Darlington's going to look like on Labor Day weekend. You know, that's something we talked about too. Do you swap Darlington and Daytona and have um, Daytona on Labor Day weekend? Feel like there's a lot of value um, and a lot of history and tradition of Darlington in that 500-mile race on that weekend. So that was another part of us talking about it. So again, just because it's part of the 24 schedule doesn't mean it's going to be on the 25 schedule, but it is something we wanted to test out and see how it does. Everything's up for, everything's up to change. Everything's up to change. He, yeah. He's had a, he's had a talking point <clears throat> whenever we bring up scheduled talk. He says there's only four tracks on the schedule. How many numbers? I would like, so I had this conversation with Chip Wild, who's president of tracks, right? And right. at kickball, which we lost 
<laughs> this week. Sticking point. But uh, but we'll get over that. I asked him, I said, man, I've always kind of been on the fence of two Daytonas, two Talladegas, two Martinsvilles. And, like, I'd be good going everywhere else once just from just from a guy on pit road's standpoint of crowd and, and mm-hmm. kind of the vibe you get when you go to a new track or only go somewhere once. So but you, you like two Daytonas? And two I like two or? Daytonas, two Talladegas, okay. and two Martinsvilles. Everywhere else everywhere I can else do once. Cool. Okay. He said, well, where the hell do you want to go? And that's a great <laughs> point, right? So I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Like Kentucky. Like, And he had rebuttals for Kentucky. But then I was wondering, like, there's not a lot of places you can go in the country because there's just so many. Like, we've come so far with safety since, like, I, I brought up, like, a Pikes Peak. Like, is Pikes Peak even still there? Or how many different tracks? Now, now we've crossed the bridge where you can create tracks, right, in the city, like Chicago. How many as do you keep your finger on the pulse of like what short tracks would we be able to go to? What what has the capacity of seating wise? Like what do you look at around the country there? Yeah, so there's a number of things we try to look at. And in in a perfect world, if we could go and race at any racetrack that exists out there tomorrow, you know, we would have already made a lot of those changes. So um, you hit on some of them, you know, we look at capacity, we look at fan experience, we look at amenities, and then a really big important part of it is what does track safety look like? So, you know, do we have safer walls? Is the foam updated in the safer walls? Do we have the right guardrails and fencing? And that's not a small capital expense as you think about moving our cup series to different tracks. So, you know, a lot of times as we think about looking at these new venues, um, frankly, they're tracks that we've either raced that in the past um, they might be a track that Formula One races at, like Circuit of the Americas, or we go down this path that we've done in Los Angeles and Chicago of creating temporary tracks. Um, now we've been very candid, and and I believe this that you know if we're going to have a stadium race in a street circuit type of racing on the schedule, it's never going to be a majority of the schedule. It's probably never going to be a bulk of the schedule, but is there a place where you could have one or two or maybe three of those types of tracks where you're going into new and novel markets in a downtown location, literally bringing NASCAR racing to not only our fans, but a lot of people that haven't been to a NASCAR race before. I think that's opportunity to talk about the temporary tracks from a permanent standpoint. I do think it is a bit tricky because, you know, are there tracks that we could go out there? Absolutely. And we got to think about the location. We have to think about the market. And then really importantly, we have to make sure it's safe. And then anyone that's coming to the track, that they have a good fan experience. And you think about the level of amenities that people expected 20 years ago, looks entirely different today, right? Now you want to come to the track. You want to be able to connect to your Wi-Fi. You want to be able to park close to the track. So just the overall fan experience has evolved as we think about that. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do your pennies stretch as far as they used to? Most likely it doesn't. Here's why. It took 200 years for the U.S. to print its first $5 trillion. Today, Washington has done that in just three years. The problem, every new dollar makes each one of your dollars worth less, robbing you and every other hardworking American. But you can stop this cycle of robbery by diversifying your IRA or 401k into gold an asset that has stood the test of time. Our new sponsor, Birch Gold Group, has helped tens of thousands of Americans protect their retirement savings with physical precious metals. Now you can too. Get a free info kit on gold right now by texting the word Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, to 989-898. With an A-plus rating, with the BBB, you're in good hands with Birch Gold. So get your free info kit by texting Corey to the number. Nine eight nine eight nine eight. Go check them out. Put some pennies in some gold. There's an unbelievable amount of list of things you have to consider when you're setting the locations, but also the order of the events. Mm-hmm. There's also the competition aspect that you have to take in consideration too. Is there like a mix? There was 
little bit of chatter over the last couple of years that we got he- really heavy on road courses. I believe there were seven on the schedule last year, the year before that. Is there a balance of speedway races, short track races, road course races that you guys try to keep within a couple numbers? Well, it's interesting too, and it'd be good to get your guys' thoughts on this. I feel like if you go back to Gen 6 car, what we heard was short tracks and road courses. Short tracks number one, and then road courses is pretty high up there. And now it almost seems like the cards flipped a little bit with the next gen car that it's starting to trend more towards the intermediate tracks. Still here, short tracks, maybe a little bit less road courses, but intermediate tracks. So, you know, that's something we try to keep the pulse on as much as we can. You know, can we go to more short tracks? Sure. There's a handful that we can go to. Where, like where? Um, (laughs) there's, there's a handful. Hypothetically. Would Kern County be a potential option? Out there in Bakersfield. So I would say anything could be a potential option. Again, it, like it comes down to the quality of facility, the location, the market, time of year, all of those things. I do think there are short tracks that we're not at today that we could realistically go to. I also think we need to weigh out like, all right, if we're going to pick on Kern County, if we're going to Kern County and you know we're going to get it up to cup standards and make it truly feel like a cup race. Um, how do we make sure that that's sustainable too? Because it's really difficult to bite off a one-year deal relative to to creating something that has a longer-term horizon on it. So, you know, that's something that that we think about you know quite a bit. We got Iowa that comes on the schedule, a bit of a mix of I would almost say it's technically a short track, feels a little bit like a minute uh, intermediate too. But something we've been hearing a lot is you know adding more intermediates to the schedule. We've heard road courses in the past. You know, I would say there's more road courses that we can go to than any other type of track, but it's something that we debate quite a bit is, hey, what's the saturation level on these different types of tracks? I hadn't heard that, um, I, I that you have five. to sign a, a personal preference. Five road five. courses. Five road courses. Yep. Yep. And I think judging by the group drivers only group meet, that's about the number that, that I mean, you got the, some guys in there, McDowell's like, I think we should run 15 <laughs> road courses. Well, like the driver's a lot chat. Of, wow. You <laughs> yeah. can't listen. Yeah. yeah. No. You can't. You're getting, you're getting paid to be there. Yeah. Right? You got to worry about the people that are paying to be there. But <laughs> how much do you guys like, say that Charlotte's been a big sticking point on the schedule with a lot of guys? I think Gluck's been pretty outspoken about him wanting that to go back to the Oval. We're seeing Indy go back to the Oval. How much of that is dictated by you and how much of that is dictated by the ownership of the racetrack? I would say it's a collaboration between the two of us. Indianapolis, we've been talking with Doug and the team about that for quite a while now, actually. So we had the road course there for a few years. Part of the decision behind going back to the Oval is, A, fans wanted to have the Oval. A lot of our stakeholders wanted to go back to Oval. But what better way to marry that up than the 30th anniversary of the Brickyard 400? So the timing made a lot of sense around that. The Roval... Personally, I don't feel like there's been a ton of conversation around the Roval until very recently, and that has has sprouted up. So I would say as we think about Roval versus Oval or Indy Oval versus Indy Road Course, a lot of that comes back to, hey, what is in the best interest of the sport as we think about both, you know, driving interest for our existing fan base and catering to new fans but also you know it's it's a collaboration and partnership with a lot of our track promoters too so a lot of things are way out there and you know i think the tricky part about it is anytime you bring up a topic like that there's no like clear answer i mean some people love you know the charlotte oval some people love the charlotte roval so we have to weigh out every constituent, every person that's, um, you know, leaning in on some of these decisions and then try to make a decision that's in the best interest of the sport. I hadn't heard that it was difficult, but it makes sense now that you talk about signing multi-year agreements versus one-offs. Why are tracks not interested in a, in a one year? Can you not just say, Hey, we're going to come see you in 25 and then maybe circle back a couple years down the road. That's not how it works. I would say each one is a little bit different. I, I do think it's, it's tricky, right? Like if you say you're bringing the Cup Series as an example to X racetrack, and we need all these improvements, we need you know you to add safer barriers and fencing and you know garage stalls, infield care center, media. I mean, there is a long laundry list of things. I think it's more difficult to justify that to be able to say, hey, this is a one-year deal. That makes sense. Um, so I think that is a bit of 
the sticking point? And then how do you also make sure that, you know, if you are going to put all of your eggs on X track, that we're going to go there for a long period of time, how do we also have the data ensure, and ensure that five or 10 or 15 years from now, whenever it is, that it's still successful, putting on a great product for our fans, people are still coming out to it, there's still interests um, from the industry around it. So. A lot of weighing and um, you know a lot of information that you really just have to disseminate to try to make the best decision. I think everybody in the industry is excited to go to a track just outside of Des Moines, Iowa, in Newton, in Iowa. Everybody's been waiting to see if the Cup cars have ever gone. That, that was when Rusty Walls built the track in what was 2008. Spoken like a guy who's won there. Yes, I'm definitely biased <laughs> to this. Oh, I went no to Victory Lane. Like it was a Canon. Twelve, yeah, one, okay. one Canon race there, so it's always nice. Going we race each other there several times. I, I didn't see you. Did he spin uh, you out? <laughs> you're probably you're probably way out ahead <laughs> oh of me. Oh my god! Is that when I backed into you? And no, that was Gresham. That was Gresham. Peach yeah. Day, or whatever it's called now. I'm gonna come back to this podcast. It's gonna be like season 27. You're gonna bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> Gresham Motorsports Park <laughs> in practice. I think we have the in-car camera there. Actually, no, yep. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you probably do. What can fans talk about? One-offs, right? You guys do have the benefit of owning that track for years now, and finally, what made this season? right to bring the big dogs to Iowa? So, uh, you know, we had talked about Iowa for a while. It's, again, something that we've heard from the industry and our fans of, when are you going to get back to Iowa Speedway? So, I've had the Craftsman Truck Series there and Xfinity Series there from 2009 through 2019. ARCA continues to run there as well as IndyCar. And, you know, we, we looked at a handful of options as we thought about that open slot. So, the open slot naturally was Auto Club. Um, so auto club isn't coming back on the 24 schedule. We had the last race on two mile oval this year. So it felt like it was an opportunity for us. Hey, let's again, go to a new track and a new market for us. Talked about a handful of different options. And, um, you know, one we kept coming back to is Iowa speedway, you know, technically a short track again, it'd be good to get your opinion on this. I think in a lot of ways from my racing experience in ways, races like a short track in ways, races like an intermediate too, which is this car strength. I think, I think, I think this so car too. strength is that intermediate style. It, it's better and dirty air. I feel as soon as they announced it, I'm like, that's going to be a banger of a race tracks bumpy. It's got a lot of character. It's worn out. You can be running the fence. You can run the bottom. You think it'll be that much better than Richmond? Yes. Really? More banking than Richmond. Yeah. A little more grip than Richmond. Bigger, faster. You think the cars will spread out too? Yeah, it'll be yeah. super wide. Yeah. I just think Richmond is so lacking for for grip right now, and there's no banking to hold you in. You're just sliding around on the bottom lane, and there's really no, there's really not a whole lot of options you can have, but Iowa's going to be a freaking blast, man. That brings up a great point, and I guess – I don't know if you're the right one to talk to you about this or ask, but you should know, right? The pa the packages, right? They, it's it's about, like, the car is just better on mile and a half. And everybody's talked about the short track package or the road course package. Like, how do you want to stay away from running different packages, like aero packages, taking the diffuser off we've, we've heard about at short tracks? Or is it something that you want to have, like, one size fits all? Would that be easier for the teams? Or, like, how much have you have you dove into – Change in short track package, change in road course package. So I, I personally haven't been super close to it. Um, that's really John Propes and the competition team up at the R&D Center. You know, I will say we have tested out a number of different packages. I know you've been involved in some of these conversations as well. So we have some upcoming tests in December where we are playing with different packages. Everything from, you know, the arrow on top of the car to, frankly, the arrow underneath of the car. And, you know, it's something that you have to weigh out. And I think sometimes it's tricky because when you run it in CFD and you look at the data behind it, it looks really good over here. Sometimes you put it on the racetrack, it looks a little bit different and it's different when you hear the feedback. So, you know, we've been playing with different things as it relates to the tires. We've been playing with different things as it relates to aero. I am interested to see how this December test goes. I think we've picked up on a few things as it relates to the tire package. I think aero is the next thing that we're really going to hone in and focus on. Something we do have to just be cognizant of is anytime you do make a change and a shift like that, it does have you know economic impacts to it of switching everything out. So that is something we have to weigh out. Um, I could tell you, especially as we think about the short track and road course package, that is a priority for us. Um, intermediate racing has been fantastic. Short tracks and road courses, we've seen some really good races. We've seen some areas where we feel like there is improvement to be had. 
And I think some of these tests over the coming months will be telling for, for what the future could look like there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For me, race day is a great reason to shut down the laptop, put the phone on silent, and simply enjoy the driving. But Mobile One wants to remind you that you can get that same kind of escape any day of the week. How? By simply hopping in your car, rolling the windows down, and hitting the road. No emails, no calls, no work, just freedom. Mobile One, for the love of driving. I thought it was cool that we changed up the playoff tracks a little bit. Starting in Atlanta, putting Watkins Glen in there. When we look at how we start and how we finish, are those fixtures? I don't think the Daytona 500 is ever going anywhere. But how, <laughs> how set in stone is Phoenix? How do you guys feel about the finale? Yeah, so so we – and I'll back up for a minute. So when we think about these, like – so we hear from our fans, we hear from our broadcast partners, we, you know, we do studies with our teams, we do studies with our OEM partners. And, and we've, I mean, we've talked about everything. So we've talked about, do you have a points race before the Daytona 500? 95% of our fans came back and said, absolutely not. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. even like a no yeah. thank you. It was do not touch that. We're okay with the clash, but do not touch that. Mm, um, that's great. So I, I think that's, for a long time, if not ever, is always going to be the first true points race on the schedule, probably around that time of year. The championship race, you know, we've had it at Homestead in the past. I mean, you really want to rewind the clock. We've had it at Atlanta and a handful of other tracks. Recently, it's been at Phoenix. Um, you know, I think a, a big part of that is just that market. You know, you look at the facility, it's a world-class facility. It, it looks really good. It, it shows up really well. It's an important market for us to be in. Could we be in a different location for the championship as we think about the future? Absolutely. Um, you know, what the time looks like is uh, is certainly debatable. Again, we start to talk about the Farmer's Almanac and time of year yeah. and everything. Yeah. There's not a ton of places you can go to in November. So it really starts to limit your options, but it is something we, we talk about quite a bit. We talked about that on here a little bit. Of I don't think that logistically speaking or even infrastructure, I don't think that there's more than th- – three or four tracks that are capable of hosting like the mark is big enough the the market would embrace our sport big enough the weather's good enough the weather's good enough there's really i think there's a short list of tracks uh besides homestead like we've been there and and phoenix you said we finished the season in atlanta back in the 90s are there any other places just off the top of your head that you could think of that are even capable of the markets that we can bring us so it's difficult to say. I would say the other factor in this is, and again, it would be good to get your guys' thoughts. I, I think I know where your head's at, is it should be on an oval, right? And probably not a plate late race, probably not a road course. Yeah. So that starts to narrow your options a little bit. Weather starts to narrow your options a little bit. Yeah, you know, we've talked about Homestead before. Do you potentially go back to Homestead and have another championship race there again? You know, I, I think that's something that we'll continue to debate. Outside of that, um, you know, that's your options are pretty limited. So we've got some other ideas, but we still have to uh, kick it around a bit before we land on something. You mentioned Auto Club and that that weekend that they left open, which got replaced with Iowa on June 16th. Plans were for a reconfigured short track there. Hasn't been much chatter going on on that because obviously you guys have your hands full with playoffs and schedule and all the things. Now that all that's the big red button's been pressed, schedule's out. Is there focus back on what you guys do with that that property? Yeah. So to your point, we still have the property in in Fontana right now. Trying to decide both a what does that track look like? How do we make sure it 
we set it up for success from a racing product perspective, how to make sure it, it looks and feels like a great fan experience. And, you know, what that final track and scope looks like is TBD. Um, we're still having a lot of conversations about that. We've been working with iRacing a ton. Um, I can't tell you how many different iterations our design group has worked on with iRacing around that track, different banking considerations. You've done some lengths. beta testing for that, I'm sure. I've jumped on a couple times. Yeah. What was your favorite rendition of a configuration <laughs> so far? So I would say, so part of it is, so the front stretch, I would say largely will look and feel the same. Kind of rounded banked. Kind of a round bank in a way similar to maybe even not a Richmond, a little bit of a D-shaped oval. Okay. Iowa? Uh, kind of like Iowa. Uh, yeah. It's super wide though, isn't it? Like it's, smaller. yeah, it'd be different. Yeah. Yeah. Probably around the same width as I would say, but then we played with with different levels of banking. I think where we're leaning towards is a little bit not aggressive, but a little bit of a progressive banking. So probably two or three hinges, uh, and then a backstretch with some banking too. And then you know we've played around. Is it a straight backstretch? You have a little dog leg to it. What does that look like? So we've played with a handful of different ones. I think we're starting to narrow in on um, something. Difficult to say exactly what it's like. I characterize it. Over a half or under a half? I'd say around a half. Mm. I would characterize it as if you blended a Martinsville, a Bristol, and maybe a little bit of a Richmond together, you'd have something similar to this. So you say dog leg backstretch. You ever look at the old Trenton reverse dog leg? Dude, these cars would sit on the left for your stop and you would wreck every lap. Hey, man. Somebody wouldn't. Tracks the same for everybody, buddy. Figure it out. That's right. Figure it out. Something talking about reconfiguration or just a repave. Sonoma is laying some asphalt down on that. They told us, all the drivers in the in our competition meeting, all the drivers were like, ugh. But I think it was time. I mean, unfortunately, every surface runs its course but i i think that od specifically explained to the drivers of how much different of a perspective nascar and smi go into considering what kind of aggregate they used in the actual af- asphalt previously when they would they would pave a track it would just be like what can last the next 30 years and not even worry about how it races how much are you involved in what paving and aggregate and what the show looks like on a resurface and anymore I defer mostly to the professionals on that, that, that know a lot more about the oils and aggregate and everything. I do know it's something we've looked at a lot, right? You think about our repaves over the past few years, well, not the past few years, I would say 10 years ago, relative to some of the more recent repaves, even the aggregate that's going down um, has changed and evolved over time. So something we really focus on. So to your point, you do have to weigh out a little bit of longevity. Maybe we take some back, you know, of that longevity. So instead of it lasting 15 years, it lasts 10 years. Um, but to try to create some more of that aggregate and coarseness on the surface of the racetrack. So something that, that we've tested out with a handful of different folks, we work with a lot of different asphalt experts, both in-house and third-party folks that will come in and look at, at our tracks. But I do know it's something both as we think about patching racetracks and then complete repaves. When you were driving, I've always kind of wondered this, was it part of a grander plan for you as you kind of became an executive? Like you always wanted to be able to defer back to your competition days and be like, okay, now I know what the teams are going through. I've been a driver. Or were you at the time really like, I'm going to be a race car driver. This is my path. For me, I I was solely focused on being a race car driver every single day. And I mean, you live it too. You wake up, you think about that next race. Think about the, the next race. How do you be as competitive as you can? How do you be as fit as you can? Um, mentally sharp, all of those things. I uh, I didn't have the natural talent, so I had to work a lot harder to try to eventually get there. But you know, I'd say every day that I was a race car driver, all I focused on was that next race or the next year. And then there was a transition period from December of 17 to February of 2018 where... You know, I started to think about, hey, what does my future long-term look like? Whether that be a competitor or, or someone on the business side of NASCAR, I felt like 20 years from now, I was going to end up at the business side. So what better time than then when I was 25 years old to make that leap of faith, 
learn while I was young, while I was hungry, while I was passionate about the sport and, um, and really try to get as much experience as I could. It's funny you say that. Cause my husband is on the team side now and he lives with regrets. He's like, I wish I would have just tried to scrape together more money for sponsorship. Like, I wish I would have pushed a little harder to try to get to cup and like make it happen. Have you ever second guessed that decision because you went to the business side so young? I thought about that a lot. I did have a couple of opportunities to go cup racing in 2018, as well as Xfinity. And For who? Truck. Name names. <laughs> who was it with? Um, where were, would it? Where? There were one or two. Corey's I, like, wait, was he going to steal my ride? Yeah. Who was calling you? It wasn't your ride. <laughs> Thanks. It wasn't your ride. Um, Decent car? Uh, I'd say mid. All right. Mid pack. Yeah. Somewhere in there. I, I can't remember. Is the, it a still working race team? It is. You don't have to tell us team. Just tell us the number. Yeah. What's the <laughs> <laughs> You'll back into it eventually. Yeah. Still, still a race team. Um, probably a different name today. Ooh. Uh, so I had, I had a couple of opportunities and I had to weigh it out. Right. I, I. Was it Petty's? No, I don't think so. Yeah. It was someone else. So, I, you know, I, I had to weigh it out. I raced for 11 years at that point. I, I felt like I was finally getting my feet underneath of me a little bit. You know, to win in Bristol and in trucks in 16, we kind of made a, a run for the playoffs. And then I did a, a bunch of races for GMS and RCR in 17. You know, had a couple of shining moments here and there. I, yeah. I shot myself in the foot at Road America. I'm still mad at myself to I this remember day that race. Of, yeah. of wheel hopping it into turn five. Um, I'll never live that down. But, you know, there's not a day that goes by that you don't miss it. That said, I also don't have any regrets of, of jumping over um, to this side. I, I think you still feel that competitive nature being on this side of it. You live vicariously through people like this. And the thing that I, I really enjoy about it is, you know, I, I do feel like it can have a positive impact on both where the sport is today and where the sport can go in the future. And, um, you know, being able to be a part of that journey, especially over the past few years with, you know, Jim and Steve Phelps and Steve O'Donnell and the leadership group that's been put in place along with the industry around us, um, really makes me really, I mean, just optimistic and bullish for the future. So I'm excited about it. I, I tell people this every day. I don't think that there is a more special moment to be in NASCAR than this. You think about where we were from 10 years ago to five years ago. And then you think about the past five years, all the things that's changed from the next gen car to schedule to all the different initiatives we have, whether it's international sustainability to E&I. Um, there's a lot of changes we've made and a lot of things that we're, we're looking forward to in the future. Three questions for you. Not the ones that you, I generally do. This is three oh. questions before the three questions. All centered around Garage 56. Did you go to Le Mans? I was at Le Mans. Okay. Pin that. Remember that. Could number question number two? Could you ask Uncle Jim for the keys to drive that thing around? <laughs> that thing is a nasty race car. Oh, it was so cool. We we you saw it at the at Roval this last weekend, dude. Blaney was, was like, running, it was running one twenty. Was it Jordan Taylor that was? Yeah, driving? Blaney goes, what that thing run? Like, like, he's sitting <laughs> on pit road, fast, car run. a second faster than the Cup cars, and he wasn't even going fast. That's yeah. What that thing run? Well, he did well, two laps, and then he like he ran burned it down going down the front stretch. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that was planned or not, but it looked great. It's, it looked really cool. That thing sounds mean, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Reach over, flip the AB, ABS off. Headlights look Letter sick. It, they it. do. Well, you saw they clear-coated the car that actually went around the mall. Oh, so the rubber and stuff's still so on? So the rubber, so the transmission went out. There's yeah. some fluids that came off the side of it that's still on there. All the rub rubber marks are still on it. That's cool. It's really cool. It's it's super special. Three. So do you think Uncle Jim wants to drive that car one day? Uh, I haven't asked them, but maybe. I think you should. Yeah. Where Corey would you wants want? to come with you if you're I'll, allowed to, I'll apparently. I'll ride the right yeah. side, like Jocko Flocko. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Where would you want to drive it if you could drive it? A Daytona would be really cool. Ro the road course? Yeah. That would be sick. I think that'd be really, really cool. And you cool. wouldn't have to drive very far from your house either. Yeah. No. Easy drive. So, I, I've never done a lap, a true lap around the road course at Daytona either. So that'd be, that'd be special. That would be a sick car to do it in. So back to the first question. Growing up, legitimately born into the sport you've seen the sport evolve so many different times over 75 years in your young age how proud did you feel just to be a part of that and to see how far nascar has come to bring a car to le mans uh, i was incredibly proud um i know it was an important project and initiative for jim there's some some history and some family legacy of of my grandfather and great-grandfather trying to bring 
race cars to Le Mans. So to be able to do that was so special. And to be there and, you know, see him and, and Rick and the entire group that put so much energy and time into that vehicle, the preparation behind it. If you think about it, you only have one shot at this, yeah. one shot at 24 hours. And if you mess up, if you have, if you wreck the car, if you have an engine failure that's terminal, you know, you're, you're done and there's no going back after that. Uh, and the spotlight was on us for sure. So to be able to perform and execute under the limelight like that was incredible. And then to see the the smile on their, their faces was really special. You know, I remember being there, first of all, walking down the grid before the race and seeing all the different prototypes and GTs, which I just geek out over that. I think those cars are so cool. But then I was walking down and there was like this this mob of people and I'm like, is there, is there a celebrity here? Like <laughs> what's going on? And then it was, it was a garage 56 car that was sitting in the middle of it. And people were just so enamored by the car. So that was one of the coolest moments. And then I would say the other just really neat moment. And I have a, a video on my phone of all the cars going by is you hear all the prototypes going by. So you had the prototypes, you had us, and then you had the GT cars after us. So here all the prototypes go by. And then, the NASCAR G fifty. Oh my gosh, the V eight just go, and it just echoes, and it was um, man, it, it really made you proud. It made you feel like you're back at home for a minute. I, I thought everything from top to bottom, that whole thing made me proud to be just a participant and a competitor in the sport. I know Ryan and I spent a lot of time talking about it. Everything was just buttoned up, and uh, you guys represented us well there, at for sure. Question number three. What sort of phone calls or conversations with international markets did that open up just from that alone? Yeah, so I would say, um, you know, first of all, it, it did show a lot of interest from some of our, our international series that we have today. So we have series in Canada, Mexico, Europe, um, and then Brazil. I was actually at the um, Drive for Diversity reception for our combine that's happening today and tomorrow. I met with some of the Brazil folks this is their first year, and they're just um, so excited about it. So, first of all, it's really great to see the you know the different series that we have around the world that's racing. And I would say there was a lot of interest that came from that. So, I went to an event in London about a week after, where we had a lot of our series come to, a lot of our track partners from those series, and a lot of just you know overall partners in the sport and some fans. And it was so neat to see everyone talk about Garage 56. So yes. And then I would say, secondly, um, you know, there are a lot of people that have reached out interested in a national series event, a cup series event going internationally, um, following that as well. Is, so. is that why there was murmurs of us going to London street course? Cause they saw you probably walking around the streets of London. <laughs> <laughs> Paparazzi catches Ben I, yeah. Kennedy. I'm, on the... <laughs> I'm afraid to like post anything yeah. now because I'll like, yeah. I think I went to Switzerland. Um, yep. Racing at the Coliseum in Rome. Yeah. Set up some to, safer barriers. I went to Switzerland for a couple of days on a trip and then people started, re we're going street racing in Switzerland. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm on, on vacation, vacation for three days. Like, <laughs> it sounds really cool. I love it, but a um, <laughs> little bit unpractical. Yeah, a little bit unpractical. You're that guy now, though. That that responsibility is on you. He's yeah. Mr. Schedule now. Yeah. We talked about That's it. That's probably why I don't so, post much anymore. But are we filming like Talladega Nights? Normally, if there's a different car on the track, it's because we're filming a movie. What was Jordan doing out there the other day? Letting it rip. He was. He just, was. Um. He did a couple hot laps, and then. Yeah. I think it was just down. down the street over at Hendrick and they just drove that thing over to the track. Yeah. Okay. So, so no co-op, no secret mission. There was just, just having fun. Not yeah. that I'm aware of. Okay. Honestly, I, I, I didn't know it was happening. Yeah. I didn't either. Yeah. I was walking down pit road. I'm, that's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I like yeah. scram. I put my knee pads. I'm like, yeah. did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. Are we racing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, any other questions before I get into the three questions? Because after that, I can sit, I can sit here all day and ask questions. I'm stuck on the fact that you're working with iRacing on developing new tracks. So, like, that opens up my whole brain to be like, okay, uh -oh. who's driving the cars? Are you having simulator races? And then are you able to use that for what we talked about earlier as far as packages? Sure. Like, is that something that you work with? Is So... I haven't been super close to the packages. Um, and I would say, first of all, iRacing has been a tremendous partner from a scheduling standpoint. So I'd say the the two best use cases that we've had, right, is the LA Coliseum in Chicago. So start with the Coliseum because chronologically that happened first. And 
we had no idea. I mean, we had never done anything like that before. We had never created a temporary cup series racetrack inside of a hundred year old stadium like that. Steve Myers and the entire group has been fantastic over there. So whether we got to see that the other day, cause they came to his seat shop and scanned my street stock. Oh, really? Kevin Iannarelli. So we got to see kind of how that works. And yeah. we picked his brain quite a bit. He was picking Corey's brain quite a bit too about how's, how's the simulator work? What do you think about the scans? Yeah. How close is it? We just announced the, the console. I was going to ask you too. about that because that's what we're missing, man. I feel like we've been missing that Xbox. It's a huge opportunity. For sure. What's I, that look like, you think? I talked with him for a while um, at the track on Sunday about you know, what that's going to look like. And, you know, their focus is making, you know, first and foremost, making a game that races really well, whether you have a wheel and pedals or you have um, a controller. <clears throat> so what they talked about is, you know, all the testing they're going to do, they're going to do first and foremost with the controller. It's a lot of people play with the controller yep. and then um, a wheel and pedals, but I'm excited about what they're doing, the vision that they have for the game um, all the tracks and content that's going to be in there. I, I, I think it's going to be so special. So um, I know it's going to be a while before you actually see it hit the shelves, but it's going to be an amazing product once it comes out. Man, I think it just gets NASCAR in front of so many kids who might not ever get the chance to go to a race, but they can sit there and race a car. And it, it just, does. I mean, it just like no different. They go outside and shoot a basketball and think they're LeBron James. They can go outside or inside and, and race car and think they're Bubba Wallace, right? It, I think it unlocks so many doors. But back to like yes. back to scans, like you you were touched on the Coliseum and, and Chicago. How much iRacing has helped you with that? So the Coliseum. So we had never done anything like that before, right? A hundred years. Um, you know, the Coliseum was celebrating their hundred year anniversary. We had never built a temporary track inside of any stadium, but let alone that stadium was, that was so special and so iconic. Um, and it's a big endeavor, right? You got to build a temporary track and, you know, that was all completely foreign to us. So we went to iRacing and we had worked on a number of different cab models for what the track could look like. We sent it back and forth with them. They eventually created the virtual racetrack essentially in iRacing and began to test it with our professional esports drivers. We did have a couple of cup drivers jump on there as well. And the tricky part about that is, so you maximize the footprint. The only variable you really have to play with is banking. So we played with different variations of the banking and something that was actually interesting. So we eventually narrowed it down to a five degree banking and then a two and a half degree banking. And we did mock races with our esports drivers. We'd let them run for 20 laps. We'd throw a caution. We'd let them run for 15. We'd, you know, reshuffle the field, have them run again. And the racing looked pretty similar from five degrees to two and a half degrees. But what was really cool about that, and I didn't even think of this when we came into it. So they built this track first virtually, and then they built the Coliseum around it. We eventually got to a point where we could place a virtual camera anywhere in that stadium. So you could put it up on top of the 1923 club at the highest place. You could put it on the very first row, which was the 14th row, because we had a portion of it blocked off um, to watch the race from there. So as these drivers are racing around the track, we tried to find the most challenging seat in the house from a sightline perspective. And that happened to be the center of three and four in the very first row. And watch a race with a five degree, couldn't see the racetrack at all. We watch it with a two and a half degree and you could see the entire racetrack. That's and after wow. seeing the racing product be identical to each other, we said, let's go with two and a half degrees. Modern technology, man. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So that was really cool. And then iRacing, this was several years ago and early on when we were working on the um, that project, we sent a street scanner. So if you ever watched the movie Twister before, kind of similar to that, have a pickup truck with a big scanner in the back. Monday night at about midnight, they went around, laser scanned the city streets. They sent a photographer out there, took hundreds of thousands of pictures, and then created this virtual street course. And same thing, we played with a, a ton of different variations, different streets, different lengths. We ran it clockwise, we ran it counterclockwise, we moved pit road, and then ultimately landed on that. So iRacing has been a phenomenal partner from that standpoint, and it helps us prove out you know, what these races could potentially look like in the real world before we even put a shovel in the ground in LA or we build temporary walls and, and fences in Chicago. Yeah, and that can save millions oh, yeah. and millions. And what it's done to Steve's business. I mean, it, it grew his business exponentially. I've talked to Steve sure. Swift and they're all in. 
Yes. Like the partners that they've become with you guys, it's incredible. Yeah. Corey said his simulator, like never been to the track. You guys were what, within three tenths? Dude, the GM simulator was spot on. It was it was unbelievable how how close they get that thing for not even knowing anything about that street course. But I wanted to ask you about that street course specifically. I thought obviously whether Mother Nature did not cooperate with us. Still all things considered, Julie and her her team knocked out of the park. There was some logistic things that you guys can probably wrinkle out and make things a little more easily accessible for fans, but what are some things that are on the short list of improvements or additions for the Chicago Street Course next year? Uh, I would say, first of all, weather. <laughs> yeah. What's the yeah. Farmer's Almanac saying? Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the Almanac <laughs> say for that? Yeah. Almanac <laughs> say for that. Dude, it downpoured. <laughs> I've never seen it rain so hard. I don't think people in Chicago have ever seen that. Wait, it was a record. Was there any truth to them being able to drain, like the drains, the way they rotate the river to suck the water out of there? You know how these stories turn up in the garage. They were like, yeah, they can change the flow of the river to get the water off the track. That's why right away, like it didn't flood. It was, oh, it, I don't it know. drained pretty quickly. But I do know they, they were going around with a knife, so they had banners on the wall, and then you have kind of little openings where the forklift can pick it up. So we had to cut that out so that the water could start to drain because you had it pooling up in a bunch Gosh. of areas. And we had these giant vacuum trucks everywhere. and every, We were doing everything, everything that we could to get the race in on Sunday. So first and foremost, weather. There were a lot of things from an event experience standpoint that we weren't able to do. So we had the chain yeah. smokers planned for, planned for Saturday night. We had a ton of things planned on Sunday leading into the event. So I was disappointed we, we weren't able to deliver that this year. So hopefully from a weather standpoint, we're able to see that through. And then, you know, we, we're just working on overall what the site plan looks like. So, you know, where do we have our temporary grandstands, suites, hospitality areas? Some of that's going to look a little bit different just based off of what we've seen from a demand perspective. But there are a lot of things that we weren't able to do because of weather this year. So knock on wood, chair, wherever that is, uh, July 6th and 7th next year, the weather is going to be spectacular in Chicago. Yeah. I think so. Which one? So. Which one was more stressful, the Coliseum or the street course? Which one took more years off your life? I would say, in a way, and it's probably Julie because Julie, you know, is living and breathing this every single day. Chicago, because you know everything around that event was completely temporary. If you think about the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, we'd never done anything like that before. You had the grandstands, you had the suites, you had the infrastructure. They've had Super Bowls there before. You had all the fiber going to the broadcast compound. So think about a lot of the needs and requirements. It was a perfect venue for us. For Chicago, we had to go into a park and create this temporary racetrack that has all of the back end and infrastructure that goes into putting on a race, but pouring the temporary walls, the fencing, the grandstands, hospitality areas, stages, suites, activation areas, all of that had to be been thought through and planned. Road closures, park closures, openings. There was a huge logistical process that happened from that standpoint. And it was, you know, our design development team and Julie Giese and the team working on the ground, but then also all of our vendors and suppliers making sure that they're showing up at the right time, everything's scheduled and on plan. And, you know, you have a couple of curveballs that come 24 and 48 hours before you're supposed to open the gates on Saturday and you have to be ready to adjust along the way too, which, which we did. Which happened. Yeah. Which yeah. happened. Yeah. With a lot of the weather. So, you know, I would say Chicago, but again, you know, I give a ton of credit to Julie Giese and the, the team in Chicago. They really led that from the forefront. So now that the schedule's out, what does Ben Kennedy's now calendar look like for the next days, weeks, months? I'm wondering if there's parts of your job, because we joke you're Mr. Schedule, but I know you do a lot more than that. Yeah. So um, everyone asks me, they're like, what do you do? Every yeah. day? <laughs> uh, I would love to tell you that it is this every single day. It ebbs and flows, right? So schedule has been, um, you know, I'd say probably 75% of the past couple of months. It's probably still going to be 50% for the next few months because we're already thinking about 25 and 26 and 27 and long-term road mapping for the future of the schedule, especially as we go into our new media rights contracts. So that's a large part of it. I'd say a lesser known fact about what I do. I'm also on the weekly and touring team. So brought in 
um, Joey Denowitz, who has been, um, you know, around the teams in a number of different capacities, could come head up weekly in touring. So everything from our Advanced Auto Parts weekly series to the Whalen Modified series and really starting to think about what does a ladder system for the future drivers of our sport look like. And then I would say outside of that, there are a handful of different ad hoc projects and initiatives that I uh, I get looped into along the way. So, you know, media rights, industry conversations, um, you know, there's potential mergers and acquisitions of tracks, you know, interested in, hey, let's do an event here. Or do you want to have a conversation about this? Do you want to have an event over here? So there's always different random things that come up. So, you know, that part ebbs from 5% of my time to 50% of the time too. So uh, just a lot of exciting projects and initiatives that, that we're always working on. We're in good hands, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this we guy, are. This guy's got it figured out. I'm excited that he knows the competition side. He also knows the business side, and he's taking us into the future, and he's also taking us through these next three questions. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. First question is, it's generally one car, one track, but you've been on the show before. I don't recall your, do you recall your answer, one car, one track for the rest of your life? But if you had to pick one, what do you go with? Next gen car. Okay. I haven't driven it before. Maybe maybe the G56 car. Actually. I like that. Let's go with that. you up for that. Daytona Road Course. There you go. You already oh, answered earlier in the show. Yeah. I'm going to change the question for you as well. <laughs> if you had to pick one type of track and one market. That we could go and race at? Yep. I think we talked about this one before too. So I would go short track. Yep. And I think we said somewhere in the islands. Like a, Ooh, a track yes. on an island somewhere. That's right. Tropical Ooh. location. Blue water in the back. I think that, that I would told be cool. you, my mine is. I asked him this before. I'm like, can we like roll it back to the late 40s? Can we race on the beaches? <laughs> that, so, I, that would be really cool. Yeah. I mean, if if <laughs> I had to I go hear, with one car, I mean, that would be so cool. Did I hear yeah. that there was conversations about potentially doing that? I, I don't think there have been super legitimate conversations about doing that. I mean, we've. We spitball everything. <laughs> we've talked about that before. I'm not going to lie. You know, a lot of a lot of challenges you'd have around that. We have something about the turtles, right? They don't want to. They don't want to like wake up the turtles because the cars are too loud anymore. That might be some of it. There's, that's what I heard. There's there's some other things that we would have like to, sand? to work through. Sand is is a variable. <laughs> Actually, so he's this, like, you guys are morons. <laughs> yes, he knew what he was getting yeah. into. Well, <laughs> I think the other part, which you know, it'd be good to get your perspective on this is two miles in one direction and then you make a U-turn and then it's two miles in another direction. You're, you're moving pretty Seems quick. pretty straightforward. Yeah. You're moving pretty quick at the end of two miles. Though. I'd be, yeah. let's do it. You'd be flying. Get a, get a hot dog at the North Turn Grill, turn around, come back the other way. It was pretty neat a few years ago. So I had the opportunity to go down there and they have this car show. I want to say it's around speed weeks every year, but they bring out a lot of cars that actually raced on the beach back in the day. And I had the opportunity to drive one of those cars with, I think it was the second generation of someone that, that raced on the beach. And it's so cool. Cause you go down there, they have all the cars lined up. They do a flyover and a national anthem. And then you do one ceremonial lap around mm. the Daytona beach course. So the North turn, the South turn down A1A coming back down the beach. It was, uh, it was really neat and really special. So that, that might actually be my, uh, my one track and one market. That'd be pretty cool. Hundredth anniversary. I'm just saying we hey, can work towards yeah. it. We're only, yeah. we have 20, 24 years yeah. away. 24 yeah. years to start working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Question number two. Uh, I remember your answer from the first time earlier this year. We were honest. What's the most embarrassed you've been at the racetrack? You said it was when you backed over my hood in practice, but if you had to, I, I just want to envision this moment. And I think everybody's had one where they've had like the Mike Helton 
handshake, like that's not how we do it around here, son, type of conversation. Do you ever have a Mike Helton moment? When I was a driver? Good or bad or indifferent as a – no, or as a driver or as – like, is you know, he Mike Helton or you're, somebody's? You're asking if he's ever gotten an ass chewing. More what you're, or less. What you're you ever gotten a Mike Helton Ever called chewing. into the NASCAR hauler. Not, <laughs> yeah. not, not for Mike. I, ha, I, I, ha, I don't think I was called into the NASCAR hauler, but we went into the NASCAR hauler one time when I was truck racing to debate a position after a restart. And it was me and my crew chief at the time. I want to say it was 2015 or 2016. And we went in there and we had our position and um, there was a, a rebuttal to that position. And, um, and and we zipped our lips and walked out of there <laughs> afterwards. So I had never had a, a, a NASCAR from, hauler experience. From Mike? It wasn't from Mike. Okay. It was from someone else from the competition department. I don't. I'm trying to think who series director. It's not Wayne. Was Wayne's Xfinity, right? Wayne Alton. He might have been. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he was it Xfinity. wasn't him. I'm not sure who it was, but it was too, it was I remember someone. going in there and we were so confident and we walked away and we, we had our, uh, our tail between our legs after that. So that was my, um, my NASCAR hauler experience <laughs> at How Phoenix. I remember it very Kennedy? vividly. Like he is NASCAR. <clears throat> that's, and NASCAR that's probably what they him, told he's him. not getting the yeah, position. Was a competitor at the time. So, yeah. Wow. Hey, every, everybody gets it no matter who you are. Yeah. yeah. Question number three, if you had to lose... Hang on, play some tape. We've got some tape of oh, a one oh. of your favorite oh. driving NASCAR memories. Oh dear, not this one. This is me wrecking somebody at the Roval. I'm nervous now. We, we can. Here watch. we go. Oh, okay. Boom uh, and gray. Ben, who, the which year. car are you? I 96. am the '96 okay. GO car with the giant. Oh, yep. Get There's in there. Brett. Going give, inside. Give him the, give him the Who's in the eleven? Brett. Uh, Brett Moffat. Oh, he gave you way too much room. Yeah. I, th I think he had some issues. How many laps to go is this? Maybe 25. Oh, he wins it. And they yelled at you for not. Wow. They they were mad at me through, for doing um, burnouts in the grass. In the, in the grass in the 50 yard line. But I, I, I was like, I'm sorry. I, I don't care. Like, I we'll saw, it, we'll saw this thing when I leave. Bill me. Yeah. That's a big dub. That was that was neat. That was my second um, Arca East win back that in 13? the day. That was 2013. Yep. Were, were you in that race? <laughs> uh, had, you, had you graduated after that? Uh, I, I had graduated okay. to ARCA, but I got a call for this week by some by Jeff Spraker, the guy who's at ARCA car I drove a couple weeks ago at Watkins Glen. And we, we went from winning the year before till we were top of the sheet all day in practice if you flip it upside down. <laughs> we were dead last. Terrible. In the race? In practice, in the race, qualified like second to last. Oh, no. So down the backstretch, first lap, they all stack up into three, like pop, 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 accordion. I ram the guy in front of me so hard, the hood folds up, <laughs> and I just turn right at the same time I ran the guy behind me and drove right off the racetrack and got out <laughs> with my suit, walked to my car, and drove home. Oh, speaking no. Of, <laughs> speaking of Ash Jones, the year before when he won his first K&N race there, he – went to go turn the infielder and before they repaved it there was that big crevice and it knocked the nose off of it and that's all he got in victory lane was I didn't get a wrecked good job. the car I remember that I, I didn't remember get a good that job, nothing yep. just dog cuss Randy you were in the in the white and uh in black 07 yep, yep. yep. That was, I remember that, that very vividly thought I was good you know so, why Ben didn't know if you were in it or not because he, he was too busy winning. He never saw you. No, I never saw me because I was in the garage. I was, when he was taking that picture from Victory Lane, I was about pulling yeah. into my driveway. <laughs> um, so that is one of your obviously great driving memories. You have so many made in the sport. But if you had to keep one racing memory in the car or out of the car and forget all the others, if I had a men in black pen and hit the button and zapped your brain, you only had one memory left, what do you keep? I'd have to go with the truck win at Bristol. You know, as as a first of all, as a fan going there, growing up, and just seeing the size and scale of the last great yeah. Coliseum. I mean, it's overwhelming. But then to watch races there and then to participate in races was a whole different thing. I couldn't have imagined in my wildest dreams what it was like going to Victory Lane there to be able to win at Bristol Motor Speedway against some of the best drivers um, in the truck series at that time was really, really special. And like, you know, as a driver, you always dream about winning and going to victory lane to be able to win at that track, you know, do a donut, do a burnout, all that stuff. But then to, 
to go up on top of, I think it's on top of the media center, one of the buildings there, where they have victory lane and get out. That just is so special. So I want to win so you, bad in the truck series. Did they give you a sword? They didn't give me a sword. That no. was, Damn, that was, that was pre sword. Yeah, pre-sword yeah. days. It was pre-sword days. I did get my, um, I think my right rear tire. So my crew chief got my right front, which has about an inch and a half of cords on it. Oh. We're 120 laps. Um, so I think half of the field came down with 70 or 80 to go. It took two or four tires. And you we, held on. We took two tires with 120 to go, and there's like two inches of cords on the right front tire. The right rear tire, the cords just completely ripped out of it. Did you do a burnout up the ramp? I did do a little burnout yeah. up the ramp. I was I was timid about it though because yeah. I'm like I, I don't want to watch that thing off yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Be bad. Off of there. Yeah, yeah. You gotta get your money's worth, man. Yeah. Well, it's a little burnout. That's ben, a you, good memory to you've keep. You've been uh, you've been so gracious with your time. I know you've been a busy guy, but thank you for coming yeah. in here. Thank you. Appreciate explaining it. Yeah, about all your you, hard ben. work you guys and the team put together for our next year's schedule and beyond. I'm looking forward to see what the future of NASCAR holds. Keep up the good work, buddy. Vice versa. Thank you. Thanks, Ben.